Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Porter Gals presents Terrifying Tales. Hi, I'm Debbie. And I'm Allison. And we're... The Polter Gals. Spooky. <laughs> this is from the book, Ghost Stories of Texas, by Joanne Christensen, published by Lone Star Publishing. You can find them at lonepinepublishing.com or at ghostbooks.net. And on this week, the hanging of Chapita Rodriguez. On the banks of the Nueces River, near the little town of San Patricio, Texas, a shadow moves in the moonlight. A soft sound is carried on the wind. It is a mournful sigh, then a gentle sobbing that can be heard above the soothing sound of the river. Suddenly, a dark shape can be seen, the silhouette of a woman gliding along a path near the water. At the base of an old mesquite tree, the figure pauses. Her head tilts slightly back, and she emits an unearthly wail. The cry pierces the night air, freezing the blood of any who can hear it. It is the lament of Chapita Rodriguez, who suffers eternally for an injustice committed nearly over a century and a half ago. Back in 1998, a convicted murderer, Carla Faye Tucker, sat, awaiting her death by lethal injection. Texans were haunted by both the ghost and the memory of the last woman to be executed by the state, Chapita Rodriguez. Although there were 134 years between the two events, comparisons were inevitable. Time and time again, both the facts and the legend surrounding Rodriguez's hanging were recounted in the media, and her memory was evoked repeatedly by Tucker's supporters. Gender aside, the case were dissimilar, though particularly as Tucker had admitted her guilt and Rodriguez had always maintained her innocence. In 1963, 100 years after the woman's death, state legislators agreed with Rodriguez's Declaration of Independence and voted for a resolution stating that she did not receive a fair trial. By that time, Chapita had been staging her own effective protest by haunting the banks of the Nueces for a century. I'm not guilty, was all Chapita ever said, her own trial for murder. Certainly, the evidence against her was never more than circumstantial. A view of the facts today suggests that the poor woman may have simply been in the wrong place at the wrong time. During the years of the Civil War, Chapita Rodriguez was an innkeeper running a place near San Patricio that was popular with gamblers and cowboys alike. The business may have been a little rough, but Chapita knew how to handle herself and managed to make a decent living. Then, in 1863, a horse trader named John Savage rode up to Chapita's inn seeking a meal and just a night's lodgings. 
He had with him some heavily packed saddlebags, as he was carrying around hundreds of pieces of gold. Later, the jury at Chapita's trial would be asked to believe that Chapita had her eyes fixed greedily upon those riches. Whether she did or not can never be known for sure. However, what is known is that Savage's body was later found stuffed into some gunny sacks. He had been hacked to death with the axe that Chapita used to split her kindling. Chapita Rodriguez was charged with the murder and found guilty. The prosecution said that the motive had been robbery, even though the gold-filled saddlebags were never found near Savage's body. That, and the fact that Chapita refused to speak in her own defense, made many San Patricio residents believe that the innkeeper was protecting somebody. Hmm. Who could that be? County historian Keith Cuthridge once told the Corpus Christi Caller Times, people said it was an illegitimate son who actually did the axe work. Even the jury appeared doubtful. Although they returned a guilty verdict, the members of the jury recommended lenience for Chapita Rodriguez. The judge, however, would have none of it. He ordered that at sunset on Friday, November 13th of 1863, Chapita would be hanged by the neck until dead. The sentence was carried out by the river, the only location with a suitably high tree. Then, when Chapita was dead, her swinging corpse was cut down and buried right on the spot. Then in February of 1998, just as I was being born, scary, San Patricio Mayor Lonnie Glasscock III told the Color Times, burying the body by the river was apparently a big no-no. <laughs> People say her soul will forever be in limbo because she wasn't buried in the cemetery. Perhaps Chapita is protesting her improper burial, or perhaps she's protesting her innocence. For whatever reason, she has been seen frequently over the years, drifting by the trees along the nuaces, issuing her sorrowful cries, It seems that she is determined to never be forgotten. Toward the end, the woman's spirit has been successful in pervading popular culture, books, articles, and at least one epic poem. And there's even an opera that has been written about Chapita Rodriguez and served to keep her memory etched in the collective consciousness of all Texans. Her life and death have been studied by thousands, and she has carved out a place in history that she could never have achieved by living her life out fully as a simple innkeeper. One has to wonder, does Chapita know? And does this provide her with some small consolation? It seems unlikely to those who pass the Nueces late at night and bear witness to that woeful cry. Chapita Rodriguez's execution is not the only hanging to haunt Texas. In 1921, Albert Howard was hanged in South Texas town of Gonzales. He spent the weeks leading up, staring through his jail cell window at the courthouse as the clock as it counted down the remaining hours of his life. By the time Howard was led away to the gallows, he was nearly insane. He shook his fist and screamed at the clock tower, swearing that it would never tell another man when he was about to die. From that day forward, the clock never worked properly, 
despite the many attempts to repair it. The four separate faces always showed different times, none of them correct. Albert Howard's claim of innocence is a matter up for debate, but there is no doubt that he is able to lay an effective curse. Be sure to follow us on Facebook or on YouTube at The Porter Gals or on Instagram at The underscore Porter Gals. You can also find us wherever you get your podcast or at RogueMediaNetwork.com. You've been listening to The Polter Gals, a Rogue Media Network podcast. This has been a Rogue Media podcast. <laughs> <laughs>